Thank you so much, Pastor Joe. That was, was a, quite the introduction. Um, I had no idea that, you know, Pastor Corey had those things to say about me, but I appreciate that. It's so good to be with all of you here at New Hope Community Church. You have a beautiful church and an amazing worship band. It is so great just to be able to be in a church again um, to worship Mass on. Um, it's just, it's a great time. It brings such joy to my heart. Uh, when Pastor Joe first reached out to me to speak about Upward, I was like, yes, I can do this. I can, I can talk about Upward because I have so much experience not looking up. I have so much experience looking at myself. I don't know if any of you, other of you here are um, the middle children in your family. I have the middle child syndrome to a T. I lived it as throughout my childhood, and I know what it's like to look mainly at myself. Um, I have an older brother, younger sister. He was, you know, the older one, the firstborn. My sister was the princess. She still is the princess, even though she's, you know, 28. Um, and it was me, as, as a middle schooler, realizing, oh man, there is, there's so much love for my brother and for my sister. I need to find affirmation in other places. I need to find affirmation in my peers and those around me. And I was a really angsty, angry kid. I'm the kid with the studs in the jacket, the hair that's way too long, kind of like now, the safety pins and the patches ironed on the jackets, listening to that screamo, emo music. Um, and I, I saw distinctly how destructive my path was going with the activities I was involved in, the friends that I was making. And, and, and God one day just took me and said, like, this is what you're doing, not only to other people, but this is what you're doing to yourself. And I was like, I need, I need more of God in my life. And it was through the youth group that it happened. And so I have a big heart for youth ministry. I know uh, what it's like to be a kid and to pursue the wrong things. Um, I have uh, clearly grown up since being a middle schooler. I eventually went to college at UMBC and graduated. I um, eventually conned my beautiful wife into marrying me um, a couple years ago, and she's incredible. She really helped me go in the right direction as well. Um, her name's Kate. I love her. Um, and I eventually moved to Towson. So I left my church that was in Silver Spring. It looks a lot like this church. You know, it has all these nice pews, except it was a, uh, a Chinese church. It's called Chinese Christian Church. My mom was born in China, so I grew up there my whole life. I still remember as a kid um, going to combined service, you know, where you have one line in Chinese and one line in English and one line in Chinese and one line in English. And 45 minutes later, I would wake up and be like, okay, where am I? Like, well, okay, I can, I don't know what's happening here. Um, but it was through that youth ministry at Chinese Christian Church, where I was like, man, this is, I, I need to know who God is, you know. And so we fast forward to 2020. I'm in Taos, and this past Monday, actually, I was driving to Target. I had an N95 in the car. I had my mask on, goggles. I had lathered up with hand sanitizer, you know, trying to be extra safe. And I feel the air conditioning, um, on, on my arm a little bit. I'm driving, I'm driving my mom's car now because actually she is still overseas. She couldn't fly back. She was supposed to take a cruise to China in March. And so that's like the triple threat. That's a no-no. That's not happening. But she's living it up. She's in Hawaii. There are a lot of worse places she could be at. She's with family. She's having a great time. Um, but she's there. And so I have to water her plants, check her mail-in. She wants me to drive her car, which is great. It's a, little, it's a newer little Corolla. Gets me to point A to point B really easily. And it has, um, like, almost looks like an iPad mini stuck in the dashboard where it just shows the map. It has all the displays. tells you what music I'm listening to. It's wonderful. It also has one of these things. It's a... Uh, lane departure warning. And 
I don't know what that is, until all of a sudden it went beep, 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 beep. And I was like, what? Okay, fine, I'll use my turn signal, I guess. Or I'll, you know, change lanes appropriately when I'm supposed to. It, it's, it's there when I'm supposed to stay in my lane, and if I start to drift, it goes off. And I'm like, okay, what a, what a, that's it, fine, what a feature. Okay, great, it's a newer thing. And I'm driving to Target on Monday, and like I said, I'm fully enclosed in protective PPE and all that to go to Target, because you need to be safe. And I feel the air conditioning on my arm a little bit, and I'm like, that's weird. I still feel it. I look down, and there's a spider on my arm, and I'm driving on 695. Time freezes. And immediately, I think, if the spider is close enough to be in my arm, it's close enough to bite me. And if it's going to bite me, it's going to poison me. And if it poisons me, my arm's going to swell up, and it's going to fall off, and it's going to roll under the brake pedal. And I'm going to try to brake on the brake pedal in the car, and I'm going to crash. Time unfreezes. I'm trying so hard not to panic, but I can't help it. And all of a sudden, I hear beep, 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 beep. I'm driving in someone else's lane, and immediately I think, I must look like an idiot. I'm all of a sudden just drifting into someone else's lane. And so I swerve back, and thank goodness there's some steering assist too in that car to help keep me on the right track. And I was thinking, man, what if there was some sort of lane assist like for life? You know, like what if somehow in life as people, as Christians, as whoever you are, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, like what if there was some sort of way that we could stay on the right track, you know? that there wasn't something that would uh, distract us, that even if things look shiny and attractive or terrifying with eight legs, you know, there'd be something to show us, hey, stay on the right path. Stay on this path that I have for you. You know, God in his infinite love and wisdom, he knows what he wants us to be. He knows our path for us, and so often we just get distracted. Like, what if there was some sort of lane assist to help keep us on the right track? What if there was something to keep our focus upward? You know, because like I said, I know what it's like to not look up, or I know what it's like to not have my faith in that upward direction. And, and maybe for some of you here, some of you watching, you're thinking, lane assist is not an issue right now. I just, I'm so busy. You know, I'm driving this car, and I wake up in the morning. I'm busy, busy, busy. Work, work, work. I have my schedule so full, and then I finally get home, and I pass out, and I go to sleep. I don't have time to think about lane assist or purpose or my destination. It's just survival. You know, maybe some of us here, we're, we're, we're driving, and it's, it's maybe kind of aimless, and we're thinking, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I woke up one day, I was like, why am I even, like, where am I going? What am I doing? But inertia has carried me this far, and I'm thinking, you know, how do I get back on that track? How do I find joy, you know, with what I'm supposed to do? And some of us, maybe we're, we're in a storm right now. Maybe we're stuck. Maybe the headlights are broken. Only one windshield wiper is working, and we're caught somewhere, and we can't get out. And we just need someone, something to help pull us out, to put us back on that right path. You know, and maybe, if you're like me, maybe you're all of these things at once. Maybe depending on the season, depending on the day, you're, you're trying to find your purpose. You're trying to get back on that right path. You're trying to focus upward and keep your faith upward. But it's so hard sometimes, you know. Maybe you can't figure it out. But just like a car, you know, we know a car's purpose. It's easy. Car takes you point A, point B. Easy stuff. We know what a car is supposed to do. Driving into the guardrail, driving into another car, is not the purpose or design of a car. You know, it's easy to figure that out. But for people, for humans, for us individually, as a community, as a church, how do we know what that purpose is? But just like a car has a manufacturer, we have a designer, a grand designer, God who knows each and every one of us, and he knows our purpose. When Pastor Joe asked me to speak about 
uh, upward, I was like, I felt in my spirit. I was like, I got to lean into John 3.30. I got to, and I was digging into that. And I felt my spirit. No, no, no. Take it back a little bit. Okay. John 3.29. Let's, let's go on. No, 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 no. Take it back even further. Okay, okay. John chapter 1. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and it was not anything made that has been made. And in him is life, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's like, no, 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 take it further back. Take it further back. Let's nerd out. Let's go to the Greek. Let's, let's see what the Greek has to say about it. In the beginning was the word. And if you look at the word word, in Greek, the word they use is logos. Everyone say logos. Turn to someone next to you in a safe way and say logos. And if you maybe are by yourself, text someone. The word logos, that word, logos, just in case you know how to spell it. looks like logo, but it's logos. Text someone the word logos, and if they text you back with a bunch of question mark emojis, like logos, question mark, question mark, be like, I don't know, some guy with quarantine hair in my church told me to text you, and so now I'm doing it. And they can be like, church, question mark, and you can talk to them about Jesus, and ice broken, boom, you're welcome. But let's keep going. Logos. What does logos mean? Greek philosophers at the time, even before the time of this writing, argued about logos. Like, what is logos? It means reason or purpose or divine expression. And they would argue about what is the logos for life? What's the reason for life? You know, what's the purpose of all of this? And they would argue about it for years and decades and centuries. And, and John, the gospel writer John, says, stop. Stop looking around you. Stop looking at all these things here for purpose and for meaning. Look up. Look upward. In the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. And that Logos was with God, and that Logos was God. It's in the beginning with God. John, the, the Gospel writer John is saying that Jesus is the Word, that Jesus is the Logos. But what, is that, what does that really mean? Turn with me to John chapter 3, verses 22. And as you're getting there, it starts off with after this. And the, this part that I want to I tell you about, after this is an epic conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Okay? And I encourage you to read it on your own because there's a power-packed verse in there called John 3.16. You might know it, but I encourage you, check that out. It's a great conversation. So after this is after all of that. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Enon, and this is John the Baptist. This is not John the Gospel writer, John. Now, John was also baptizing at Enon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. And for those that don't know, baptizing in water is more successful than baptizing in gravel. So that's why they would do it like that. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, he, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing. And everyone is going to him. Now let's take a step back for a moment. What do, you, what do you think John is known for in this case? John, he's not John the lion tamer, John the fisherman, or John the baker. He is John the Baptist. John the baptizer. It's literally in his name. That's his thing. That's what he does. And he's developed this real big influence and following. So big, in fact, that Pharisees 
in chapter 1 are sending representatives to him to be like, um, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Who, who are you? What's your role exactly? And he gives them a good explanation there. But he's, his following is so big. He's got disciples hanging on his every word. This guy would have definitely been Twitter certified. People are literally doing what he says. He has this organization going on where people are baptizing in water. And it's great, you know. And people are coming to him. His disciples are coming to be like, Master, like, what's happening? Like, take a look around. Like, this guy that you talked about before, people are going to him instead. People are leaving what you've done, and they're going over to him. Clearly, there is some concern over the durability of their master's ministry. They're concerned that Jesus' rising popularity is overlapping and overshadowing what John the Baptist is doing, and they're worried about it. They're concerned. They're saying, John, if you don't, if you don't do something, we're going to lose this. Like, how do we hold on? How do we hold on to this? Ever feel like you're being overshadowed? or something that you really wanted, that you worked for, was being taken from you. I was an RA at UMBC, and I loved it. I loved being an RA. It's called residential assistant. That's the phrase they use. It's from Res Life. It's basically the guy that helps run the dorms for freshmen or for people that live on campus. And I loved doing it, and not just because they paid for my room and board while I was there, but I loved building community. I loved encouraging people, pointing people in the right direction. I loved... I loved... Um, being able to be a part of something. You know, I had peers in the res life area, and I was applying to be for my third year. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm having a great time. They pay for my room and board. This is a good thing that I'm doing. And I didn't consult or even think about, you know, what God wanted me to do. I just knew that I like this. I'm doing it. I'm good at it. And so I applied. I thought it was a shoo-in. It would be easy. I was well-respected. I was well-liked. And they said no. And I couldn't let go of it. I couldn't be like, okay, well, they said no. God said no. God shut the door. Let me just let it go. I tried to hold on to it. And I wish I could tell you that I was mature enough in that moment to let it go easily. But I was still growing, and I'm still growing as a person, as a believer. And I couldn't, I couldn't let go. And it was hard. It was hard because it's like the middle of the semester, and you still have to do your job. And I felt like it was being taken from me. Like, why do I do this? I just felt a little bit like something was taken away from me that— that wasn't right. It is in these moments where you find out where your heart is, you know. Let's look at the text at John's response. To this, John replied, a person can only receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That duty is now, com- sorry, that moral obligation is now complete. Nope, it doesn't say that. It says that the joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Wait, his joy? His joy is being complete. I mean, we can, all, we can all probably say, oh, yeah, you know, you got to do God's will. You got to grin and bear it. You got to pretend. You just got to push through it, and it's hard, but you got to do it. You know, when you become a believer in Christ, it's, it's just about, you know, serving God and work, work, work. No. John is saying that my vision, my faith is upward towards God. And even though these things around me might look like something is being taken away, maybe it looks like my followers are leaving my ministry, but I know this is all for the glory of God. This is all upward. And not only 
Am I okay with this? This completes my joy. This is the same feeling if you've ever been to a wedding and you know the bride or the bridegroom and you know both of them and you're just so happy for them. You're like, they did it. Let's go. They got married. We're so excited. And you cheer. That's the same kind of joy that John has in this moment. And it's because his vision is not focused on himself. His faith is not focused on himself. His purpose isn't on himself. His purpose is in God. John counters with a simple, truthful aphorism or Uncle Iroism. They could only receive what is given by God, which in this season of ministry, to suggest or wish otherwise be more prominent would lead to covetousness. It would annul the ministry that he has led up to this point. It leads to arrogance and sin. And if he wants to try to inflate himself, if John the Baptist wants to try to keep and hold on to his ministry, he's going to point everything to him instead of to God. And he'll stand where God stands. And he knows that's wrong. He knows that is not a path that leads to life. This is what we can learn from John the Baptist. An upward faith in Christ will bring you purpose and joy. An upward faith in Christ will give you purpose and joy. It's not just about logos and purpose and knowing what your purpose is, but through that logos, through that purpose, you can have complete joy. John knows exactly what his purpose was. And we know exactly where John was looking, where his heart was, and his heart was upward. His faith was upward towards his God. He's not worried about his influence. He's not worried about his status or the margins. He's only, only worry is he's going to point them to Jesus. His only concern is pointing people to Jesus. John's joy was made complete because God was getting more of the glory. In back, back way back when, when I was applying to be a third year for my RA, I was, I was so devastated. And like I said, I wish, you know, I still attended all the meetings I was supposed to, and I wasn't a big old negative person about it. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard when you feel like something's taken away from you and you're still expected to do the job. And I, it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of figuring out, you know, what I was supposed to be doing. But that very summer after the semester, my church that I was part of, Chinese Christian Church, I was going to the youth group every Friday night. I would drive from UMBC down there. I would serve in that youth ministry and drive back up either 11 p.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m., didn't matter. You know, I, I loved that ministry. And the church had come to me because our youth pastor had just left, and they were like, Ryan, why don't you, are you interested in being the interim youth minister? Be that bridge until the next youth pastor can come along. And I thought in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was holding on so tight to being an RA and having that be my identity that I could have missed out on what God was doing in my life. You know, it's always easy in hindsight to look back and be like, yeah, I see where God is moving. I see where God is leading me, you know. But in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, like if I was a third year RA, I don't know if I would have accepted that. I would have helped out. I would have volunteered still, but I don't know if I would have accepted that whole responsibility of leading these children in the gospel, you know? And it's, it's, it's so amazing. You know, I did it for about three and a half years before I moved to Towson, and I loved it. It was the most challenging, the most exciting times um, of a job I've ever had, and it's so cool to see kids that you knew from elementary school graduate high school, serve in their ministries in college, and then get married. You know, there's, there's nothing more joyful than that to say, like, these guys, these guys are doing it right. This is good. You know, I see these kids with hearts for Jesus becoming adults because I'm so old. I'm, I'm so old now. I can't, I can't handle it. I don't even understand what memeing is with these kids in middle school. They try to tell me stuff. I don't get it. And it's, it's sad. But I'm an adult, I guess-ish. You know, I try. But it's, it's, it's a joy to see these kids grow up in Christ. 
And John the Baptist ends it. And in the ESV, it says, God must increase. And the way we do that is by following his commandments. In chapter 13 of John, Jesus says that people will know that we are his disciples by how we love each other, by how we love our neighbor, the way we forgive each other, the way that we are generous with our belongings, the way that we're not holding tight to things of this world, but looking upward. Sticking with the theme of John's, let's turn to John 1, 4, 1 John. I said 1 John or something? That's not right. My wife's an English major. She's going to shame. Great shame. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. And it goes on to say that it's not because we loved God first, it's because that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And how can we embody that? How can we live a life that points back to God? And something to keep in mind is, is what makes Christianity unique from all these other religions or ideas out there is that our God is perfect and as holy as God is, that God came down. The logos, the reason, the purpose of life came down and tabernacled among us, lived among us, and really lived as in broke bread with each other, drank stuff with his disciples. You know, he laughed, he cried, he got angry, he felt thirst, and he was beaten he was betrayed. He was mocked. He was scorned. He went through all these things that we go through. And ultimately, he experienced death. He felt all of that, which means that God not only looks at us and sees us from heaven, but God knows what it is like to experience this life. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to feel shame. He knows what it's like to, to, be, to be mocked, to be betrayed, by those around him. And this isn't just me making things up, and it sounds like. This is from Hebrews chapter 4. It says, we do not have a high priest who is Jesus, who is unable to empathize, empathize, empathize? I can't speak words, with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. And that's a big theme of John you may have fullness of joy, that you may have peace, that you may have life. In this world, you will have tribulation. You know, it's not just you become a Christian, you believe in Jesus, and everything goes well. You know, it's not just, oh, if you just pray harder, your suffering will disappear. No, Jesus suffered. John the Baptist, whose joy is complete, he suffers. In fact, in a couple chapters later, his head gets cut off at the whim of a dancing girl. And you think he regrets that? Absolutely not, because his focus is upward on Christ. He knows, he knows that it's not just about life right now, but eternal life in God. Not only does John give us the keys to living a life where we look upward towards God, but he gives us a reason, complete joy. This is not just a way to fulfill a duty or to do your task or get some gold star points for heaven, but also right now, in this life right now, to fulfill your logos, your purpose, and to have complete joy. Our God, who not only created each and every one of us, knows our hearts, but what it's like to live 
as us. And because of this, he knows what it's like. He knows how to bring us joy. He knows what will satisfy us. And unless you're running a baptism ministry, maybe this you think doesn't apply to you, but I think there are some applications from that. I think there's a way that we can really take this and, uh, and learn from this to hear what the gospel writer John is saying. You can't see what God's plan is or our logos, what your logos is, without looking upward. Looking up is the only possible way that John can react in this way because if you're not looking upward for your logos, you're going to manufacture one based on the creation around us. If we were designed and created in the image of God, why do we look elsewhere? Why do we look somewhere else for that intention, for that purpose? Why do we fight after food that will only leave us hungrier? Why do we fight after things of this world that we think will fill us up only to leave us empty? And whether you feel like you know your logos or maybe you feel like you don't, you don't really know what that purpose is, either in this ministry, in this life. Um, Some of us here don't know what we were created for. I beg you to look to the one who designed you, to look towards your God, to know your logos, your reason, to look upward and increase in his godly desires and a decrease in the earthly ones, to have your heart breaks for what breaks God's heart, to have passions for what Jesus was passionate about, to fill yourself on joy that is everlasting. And when I say God must become greater, we must become, when John the Baptist says that, he's not talking about to stop being yourself. He's, he's not talking about, oh, just, you know, forget who you are and become some robotic Christian who just reads memory verses all the time and goes to Sunday school class. No, he's talking about being who you were meant to be. I was talking to Pastor Joe about this verse, and he wanted to emphasize that it wasn't just about becoming robots. You know, this was becoming free in Christ, removing the chains of sin, to be free from your chains of sin and those false standards you put on yourself. Oh, I don't look a certain way. Oh, I need to have this status to really be who I am. Oh, I need to make this much money. I need to pursue these things. I need this high score in um, the Fortnites, whatever games these kids are playing. Um, You don't need to have your purpose in those things because if you don't have your purpose in God, you're going to manufacture that one around. You're going to have it based off of the creation rather than the creator. God knows what can bring us joy, real joy, lasting joy, satisfaction to completion, not these fleeting highs of lust and smoldering passions, but inner peace that is gratifying to God and God alone. And maybe you can't go out right now and change the entire world. You know, maybe you can't go out there and all of a sudden everyone around you becomes a Christian or everyone around you knows their purpose too, but you can be who you were meant to be on this earth right now. I can be the best middleest child you know, to my brother and sister. I can be the best son to my mom or one of the best sons to my mom. I can, I can be the best middle school teacher to these kids that are coming in for virtual learning um, this, <laughs> in a couple weeks. We'll see how that goes. And you, you can be the best husband, the best wife. You can be the best coworker. You can be um, the, whatever sphere of influence God has put you in. You can be who you were meant to be. You can show love through Jesus. When some of us know our logos and you're in that sweet spot and you are, you're grinding it out and you're like, you're so full of joy and you know what that's like. And maybe we don't, maybe you don't know what your, you don't know what your logos is. Maybe this season of ministry, maybe a season of ministry has been over for you and you're just kind of aimless. You don't really know where you're going or you feel stuck. I think there are two practical ways, you know, and I don't have to go in any order. I just think these are two good ways to figure out, you know, what is your specific purpose as an individual. I think the first one is surrounding yourself with God. And this looks different for everyone. I know everyone was made um, in the image of God. You know, everyone looks 
different physically. Everyone is built a certain way. Everyone has, you know, different families. But I think that also means that spiritually everyone's a little bit different, you know. Everyone's equipped with different gifts. And I think you can't say that, oh, you know, well, I brushed my teeth last week, so I'll chow down on these Skittles. Or I talked to my spouse on Easter, so I'll just, I'll just talk to them on Christmas again, and we should, we should be good. Just like your physical and relationships take some maintenance and uh, a little bit of, you know, passion, your, your spiritual life, I think, needs a little bit of maintenance. You need a little bit of work to put in to understand, you know, what it's like to have that spiritual life or that faith going upward. Some people really like to journal and reflect. I can't do that. I'm a terrible writer. Um, some people really love playing worship music, love blasting worship music in your car. Um, some of you guys love taking walks on nature, and you feel fed just by going out into nature and disconnecting and just seeing how God is moving around you. Me personally, I love talking to uh, my peers about Jesus, where their spiritual lives are, and really encouraging one another. And that looks different for everyone. And I think you can also spend some time in the Word of God. If you want to know who God is, you want to know what God is passionate about, read one of the Gospels. Read what Jesus did. Look at how Jesus interacted with people that were different from him. And you'll be surprised on how he treated people that were the same, how he treated the religious leaders of the time. Find out what God is passionate about. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. If you can't take 10 minutes, take five. You know, just take a step in that direction. I think another thing you can do is serve. I think, I think everyone needs to serve. I think it's really important. Just like it says in the book of James, faith without works is dead. And I think they're both equally important. C.S. Lewis, he compares this to a pair of scissors that, you know, you need faith and works. You need both blades for that scissors to be a pair of scissors. You can't just say, well, I think this blade is more important than this one, so now I just have knife with a handle. You can't make arts and crafts with that. Maybe you can. Maybe you're real talented. But I think in, in order to have that spiritual life that can thrive, you need to have both faith and those works that go with it. And this, and this looks different. I, you can take a spiritual gift test from BuzzFeed or something. It's sorted like a Hogwarts house. But I think it's really important to just go out there and serve. I think you could just do it. You know, you guys have an amazing worship team. You guys have a banging tech team who gets this service out each and every week. There are tons of ways you could probably serve in this church or even in your community. You know, you could do some contactless deliveries of meals for your neighbors or for your friends. You can go out there and just love people in the name of Jesus. You know, and maybe you'll think, well, you know, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I can do. Just do something. Just right now, just pick something, do it, and what's the worst that can happen? You love someone? Okay, that's, that's great. You know, and maybe your labor produces fruit. Maybe you feel blessed spiritually. And, and maybe not. Worst case is you love someone and you, you try something different. You know, you go out there and you love someone in a different way. You, you try to serve in a different ministry or a different charitable organization or to those peers around you who need help. If you're not looking up, where are you looking? Are you looking at yourself? Are you, is your purpose in what other people think of you? You'll see what's happening in the news, and, and if your hope is not in God, something will happen in your life, and instead of your joy being made complete, your fear will be made complete. Your anger will be made complete. Your, your guilt will be made complete. God wants us to pursue him and live to our full potential and our logos. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you 
apart. Our God not only knows us, but he had us thought up in existence before we were even born. He had us thought up before we were here on this earth for this very time. And if our God knows us, you know, what will it look like as, as a New Hope Community Church if all of us really knew our logos and our purpose and decided to embody those commandments of Christ to love our God and to love those around us? Not only will you be reaching your full potential based on the one that designed you, but your joy will be made complete. Tim Keller compares this idea of logos to someone trying to pop popcorn on an espresso machine. You would see that and you'd probably say, all right, let me explain to you why your popcorn is of poor quality. You're not using this machine for its purpose, for its design. It wasn't built to pop popcorn. It was to make that good, good caffeine juice. And it can't reach its full potential doing that. How many of us are going through life with some manufactured logos, following some path that wasn't designed for us? I want to close with a quote from John Piper. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Can you imagine what it would look like for all of us in church, in this Baltimore area, in this community, if we were looking upward towards our God? As a community, we could, we could be that real-life lane assist for each other, that we could look at each other and be like, hey, let me pray for you. We could say, hey, I know what's going on in your life, and it's hard. Let me help you in this way. You know? That if we're following on that path, we can gather with those around us to help reminding each other of the gospel, to remind each other of the hope we have in Christ. That somehow everything that we did would reflect the glory and majesty of the one who created us. And what a joy that would be. Let's pray together. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I pray that this word that you have given us, Lord, that at least one person can take it to heart to know that, God, you are working in our spirit, that you're working in our souls, that you are working in us to make us more and more like you. I pray that we can just be reminded of your love, reminded of who you are, your design, your purpose for us, that we are put on this earth right now in this very moment to love, to love you, to love our neighbors, to love each other, to love our families, Lord, that we can, we can be rooted in a faith that is unwavering. Lord, you have overcome the world. Lord, you are victory. All these battles and mountains around us that seem insurmountable, Lord, we know that you have already overcome. The battle is over. And I pray that we can remember that, that there is no waters that can overcome us there. There is no fire that will burn us, Lord, that in you there is victory. And I pray that we can continue to hunger after more of you, more of your spirit, that we can be filled with the everlasting life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.